I'm Jonathan, and uh, those of you who might already know me, I work here at the church, and uh, I'm really honored to be here this morning to share God's Word with you. So before I get going, I'd love to share a story with all of you. You guys like stories? All right, so when I was young, about five years old or so, I um, went to school. I think we all did, right? We were young. And uh, I grew up in India. So in India, if you do not know this, uh, spanking is a common thing, okay? And I'm talking about beating, not just spanking. And we just do it for fun. <laughs> not, no, it's not, not funny. But, okay. So uh, in school, we got a lot of spanking, a lot of spanking. And we got used to it. And that's how we knew to respond and, and change behavior was, was with spanking. And um, there was a teacher when I was young in this, in this class who did not believe in spanking. She was the wacko, the weird one. Okay, and um, the funny thing is, uh, we did not listen to her because we were used to getting spankings in class. So there was a day when she was, she was teaching us and trying to teach us, and, and we were not at all listening, not at all paying attention. We were just goofing off, playing, and being immature five-year-olds, right? And I remember this very, very vividly. All of a sudden, she stopped trying to teach. She just paused just stopped. And we were going on and on, goofing off, and then we thought, hey, something changed in the room. What's going on? And we noticed that she was just standing there without moving. And then slowly, all of us started looking at her, saying, hey, what is going on? This is kind of awkward. So we started looking at her, and she was just quiet. Just, she just paused. And then when we all were looking at her, she just started crying. And until that point, I never saw anyone cry unless they were getting a spanking, okay? And I never saw an adult cry before. So I'm seeing this teacher crying in front of us, a bunch of children. And then at, at that age, you know, I, I cannot tell you exactly what she said, but this is the content that she said, and I remember this very clearly. She was trying to make us understand that she wanted us to listen to her and to obey her because we wanted to, not because we were forced to. And not out of fear, but out of love and appreciation towards what she was doing in the class. And the thing is, though, um, the beauty of the story is that I've had a bunch of teachers since then till now. And been in school, but none of them had a positive influence in my life the way she did. And she pausing and going out of character and talking to, to us and talking to me directly in a way changed the way I saw, I saw authority, I saw the, the way I saw parenting even, okay? And the reason why I'm sharing this story to you is because in today's passage in Hebrews, and those of you who uh, have been coming to church, to our, to our church, you know that we're going through the book of Hebrews right now, and we're looking at Hebrews 5, okay, verses 11 to 14, and you see the author doing a very similar thing. We see in the previous chapters that he's talking about how Jesus is greater than Moses and greater than the angels and he is our high priest and all this awesome stuff. And in verse 11, something changes. The tone changes. He's doing something different over here. He's stopping and making us pay attention to something very different. Okay? So if you need Bibles, raise your hands. We can get you a Bible. We're looking at Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. It says this in verse 11. Ready for this? It says, we have so much to say about this, but it is hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Okay? The New Living Translation says it this way. But it is difficult to explain, especially 
since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You know, is that, is that us this morning? That, that God wants to teach us more and more about Him, but we've come to a place where we, we've, stopped, we've stopped learning. We think we know it all. We think we've found a spot, and we're comfortable where we are. The message says it this way, verse 11. It says, But it is hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. And verse 12 in the same chapter says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. The author is not saying that all of you, all of us should be teachers, okay? That's not what it's saying. It's saying that we should be mature enough. We should have enough knowledge of God's word to be able to teach. Even in James, he says, hey, not all of you should be teachers because teachers will be actually um, judged more strictly than those who are not teachers. So that's not the goal here, but we should have the knowledge of knowing God's word enough to teach. Verse 13 and 14, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, I think... Very often, Christians, we, um, we do this really, really interesting behavior. Okay? I think it's a human thing. We love to find a routine. We love to find a, a good cadence. Like if, you're, if you love cycling or running or any other hobby, we love to find a routine as to how, okay, if I can go to church three out of four Sundays a month, that's a good thing. If I can give, you know, tithe when I can, that's, that's okay, that's good. If I can maybe go to gospel community, to our, to our groups once a month, that's good. If I can serve a little bit here and there, that's good. And then we try to find this nice little spot that we can do little things here and there, make sure the church is happy with our participation and giving um, a job. The, the, the dudes at the job like me, my home, my wife and kids, they like me, and everyone's happy, and I found a good little spot here, and now I can just chill, find a couch, sit down, chill, and just coast it. We do that. We try to find a routine. We try to find a good, a good system in place so that we can actually continue doing it in the same way we're doing it because it's working for us. Christian life is not that way. So the word maturity, there's not a good way to define it in human terms because every one of us see maturity in a different way. We all define it differently. But the Bible defines it in a very, very simple way. Based on this chapter, this is the way I see maturity, okay? Maturity is the ability to distinguish between good and evil, right and wrong, and the wisdom to live it out in harmony. Okay, let's say it one more time. The ability to distinguish between good and evil, right from wrong, and the wisdom to live it out in harmony. That's maturity, okay? And the word mature is very interesting too. It means complete, ripe. That which is perfect. So it never stops. We don't stop getting mature. We don't. It's a, it's a journey that goes on till we die. So I, I kind of made this little list over here. Now, if you walked in through that door, most likely you might have been given this little card. Do you guys have it? If you don't have it, get one if you can. Raise your hand, and we have a gentleman back there with a hat on. There you go. You can get a card, okay? And I intend to, to not really go deep with this topic, okay? I want you to write them down. It's, it's an acronym. It's very simple. And I want you to take this home with you, okay? I want you to discuss this with your family, with your children, with your roommates, okay? In your gospel community to say, to talk about how you're maturing in your faith, okay? 
So these are the marks of a mature Christian. Ready? M stands for maintains a consistent relationship with God, irrespective of the highs and lows of life. So highs and lows are normal. Okay, we all go through them. And very often, it's because of our doing. It's because of our sinful, selfish behavior. We go through ups and downs in life. That happens, okay? But the thing is, even though it happens in our lives, a mature Christian is not someone who will quit everything and walk away. You may, you know, fall into a slump, but you don't quit the game, right? And there's a difference between someone who falls into sin and says, oh my gosh, I, God, help me, I need, I need help, because this is something that I struggle with, and you get people who can support you, who can hold you accountable, and they, they walk this journey with you, versus someone who, who falls in sin, and then falls in sin again, and they make this into their favorite camping ground, right? They love going back there over and over again, and they say, well, I fell again, I fell again. That's not a sign of a mature Christian. I love how David says in Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We go through times when we, we feel like we are lonely, we are alone, and it's not working. And David says, I will look back and remember God's goodness in my life, and I will praise him. We press in when life gets hard. We don't, we don't check out. We don't walk away. All right? A stands for always at peace when facing situations beyond our control. So I want to be clear with this. Peace does not mean we don't feel the pain or the loss of the situation we're going through. All right? It doesn't mean that we don't feel the pain. It means that we acknowledge that God is in control in spite of the pain in spite of the hardships. And I think so often we, we misunderstand peace for being in denial. We so often do that. You know, we go to church and we don't want to think about our worries because like, oh gosh, I can come over here and sing these songs and then I forget about my problems. When I leave the church, it's all back on me again. That's not peace. That's avoidance. That's not scriptural. But when we can walk through pain and suffering that's beyond our control and say, God, it's hard, but you're with me. Your grace is sufficient for me. Right? And Paul talks about that. That's peace. Okay? So a mature Christian will be someone who can walk through stuff, through hardships that are beyond their control and have peace with, in their journey. T stands for tenderhearted and forgiving towards the undeserving. You know, Jesus made this very simple. In John 13.35, he says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's it. You know, if the way we love each other is how people will know if you're Christians or not. And I think so often you go on Facebook, you see how, how hurtful we can be to one another. And maybe your agenda, maybe what you're saying is true. Maybe it's true to only you. I don't know. But that's not the place to go to hurt people. I really challenge you, if, you, if you have something you want to share with someone that's in your family or friend circle, I challenge you to invite them home or go have coffee with them and talk about why you see things differently. Love them and get to know them. And the funny thing is, maybe they'll change your mind because <laughs> maybe they're right, maybe you're wrong. We should do everything out of love. Everything, the way we parent, the way we treat an employee or a, a coworker, maybe a, a, a roommate, the way we treat anyone in our lives, we have to do it out of love. 
I know people in, who've said, well, I don't care what you think, but this is the truth. I'm going to tell you the way it is. I've heard people say that. If that's your opinion, the way you deal with people, then you're more concerned about how the fact that you want to be heard more than actually having that person change. Does that make sense? Because if I want to be heard, I'll tell you no matter what you think about it, but if I want you to change and, and really repent, I'll take time to say that in a way that will actually bring you closer to me and to God. Okay, so being tenderhearted is important for a mature Christian. U stands for upholds truth regardless of personal ramifications. Now, I grew up in India, and, and there's persecution all over India, okay? And we don't have that in this country so far. And so far we think that we don't have to deal with that. But I, I challenge you to think about how do you uphold faith or truth in the way you handle finances, in the way you do your taxes. Do you uphold truth when you're a student and you're trying to find ways to cut corners and getting the right way that you want? If you are a boss, if you are the employer, how do you treat your employees? Is it with truth? Will they see Christ in the way you treat people? If you are an employee, how do you work when no one's watching? Is there truth? If someone sees you at work in your worst day, will they say that you're a Christian? Where's truth in you when you're talking in the break room and the jokes that you joke about? Is there truth in the way you parent? All these things matter. You know, I, it's so easy. I'm not, I'm not saying this lightly, okay? It's actually easier to die for Christ. It's harder to live because when you live for Christ, you die each day. And so often we fail to do that. Our lives are not truthful. And uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 21 says, For we are taking pains to do what's right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. So R stands for ready to share the gospel. I've got a question for all of you. Um, when was the last time you witnessed to someone about Jesus? Now, I've, I've heard people say, well, my life does the talking. I'm so good, I'm so holy that I just live my life. I walk around, people go, oh my gosh, he's, that's Jesus right there. That's very arrogant. Really, it's very arrogant. And have you heard the saying, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words? Have you heard that before? Anyone here have heard that before? Do you know it's not a true saying at all? I'm not kidding you, it's not a true saying. No one said that. We, people say that Francis of Assisi was the one who said that, who coined that phrase. He never said that. It's something that's made up. <laughs> you know, I believe that our lives should align with what we teach and preach, but we just cannot share the gospel by only living it. We're called to proclaim the good news. Okay? And very often is... The, the fact is that we don't believe the gospel enough to, to share it. We really have difficulty in aligning that this is really life-giving. And we'll talk more about that a little later, okay? But I, I challenge you to start praying for your neighbors. Begin there. Pray for your coworkers that you see every day who don't believe in Jesus, who are going to hell. Begin there. If you pray for people, make a list of people that God is placing on your heart to pray for. And if you pray for them every day, God will open doors for them to talk to you. And you'll find the right words to say at the right time to share with God. Ready for the next one? E, equipping and training by being, this, by being spiritually disciplined. There are certain things called spiritual disciplines that we have to do. These are activities, not just attitudes, okay? 
And if you see on the back of your card, <laughs> there's more space to write for spiritual disciplines. And I want you to write these things down, okay? These are really simple things that you've heard before in church over and over again, but I want you to write them down, all right? So the first spiritual discipline is God's Word, meditating on God's Word. We, we love reading books that are, that are written by other people who are not Christians or maybe even Christians too. How often do you read God's Word? How often are you in God's Word, reading God's Word? What has God taught you from His Word recently? Has He spoken to you through the Scripture? You know, we, we spent a whole, I'm not sure how many months in our church going through Psalm 119. Remember that? Never-ending time, just been on and on. Speaking about how amazing God's Word is. Do you, do you value God's Word? The second thing is prayer. We make it sound very, very spiritual. You say, well, I pray all day, all the time. When I'm working, when I'm in the kitchen, when I'm you know, doing shopping, I pray. But do you find time to sit down and pray? You know, if I spoke to my wife that way all day, just in passing all the time, she will not be happy about that. I have to once in a while sit down and look into it in the eye and say, okay, honey, I'll put the guitar away. I'll talk to you now. She loves that. She's smiling right there. Okay. And that's the truth about relationships. That we, we so often downplay saying, I talk to God you know, when I'm doing stuff and I'm driving. And it's, all, all that stuff is good and great. But you have to find time to sit down and pray in solitude and just seeking after God and hearing Him talk to you. Worship. We talk about this a lot too in churches, okay? In our church as well. So what do you worship? The way I see worship, the way we def- I define worship, whatever you are preoccupied with in your mind, that's what you worship. That's simple. If it's school, you worship school then, your schoolwork. If it's worry, you worry a lot, that's what you worship. If it's your finances, that's what you worship. Your job, that's what you worship. Whatever worry you have, you have to lay it on the feet of the cross, okay? That's where we should go. So if you are preoccupied with health issues, with money issues, that's what you're worshiping right now. You know, Isaiah says that we were created to worship God. That's our primary preoccupation. Next one on the list is community. In Acts 2, it says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and prayer. You know, iron sharpens iron, but when iron is left by itself for too long, guess what? It'll rust. Okay. And I think so often Christians, we just we, we pick and choose when we want to be in community, and then we try to be like, I don't agree with that guy. I need to find a new one, and kind of in limbo, looking around for a new group to hang out with and talk about God. And they're too... They're too churchy. It's, I want it to have fun. We, we, we are very picky about that, and we, we don't really want to engage in talking about God outside church, because it's, it's church then. I don't want to do church on a Wednesday afternoon, right? Only on Sunday morning. We kind of have that mentality sometimes. The next one, fasting. Now, we, we tiptoe on this topic a lot, okay? I was listening to a, a podcast recently, I think last week, uh, a Christian podcast, this lady was a caller called in and she was saying that she was fasting by not wearing on socks during Lent because she wants to remember God when her feet get all sweaty and pray to God. I chuckled a little bit and, you know, I'm not, I don't want to judge her. Thank God that she's doing it. She's praying to God. I thank God that God's using that as a way for her to remember Christ. I love that. But if, if we have minimized fasting and we're not really following how fasting is mentioned in the Bible, and we are able-bodied people who could be fasting, 
you're missing out. Some of us have physical and medical issues that prevent us from fasting, and I fully respect that. There's a, I get that, right? But most of us who are not that way, we don't have a good reason to not fast. And when you fast, this is the fun thing that happens. You get hungry, okay? And you, feel, you hear your, your stomach grumbling and making all those weird noises. What's going on with this guy? Right? And then you feel lightheaded, you feel tired, and you're preoccupied with your hunger, and you pray to God. And you're like, God, I'm hungry, but I want to know you more. This is for you, because I want to seek your will in my life. I want to know what's the next step that I should be taking. I'm hungry because I want to pray. I want to pray for those around me who don't know you. That should be the way we see fasting. And I challenge you to start somewhere. Start maybe a week. Maybe not a week. Goodness. Uh, <laughs> if you can, go for it. Maybe, maybe a meal. A meal a month, okay? As a community of people around you in your gospel community, maybe, maybe a, a meal a week for your, with your family and say, we're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray for our neighbors today in this time when we are fasting each week. Start doing that. Okay? And we have a ton of examples in the Bible of people who have fasted in the Bible. The next one is giving and serving. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many in Matthew 20, 28. And I want you to talk about that in your group. Why do you serve? Why do you give? What's your motivation to give? What's your motivation to serve? Talk about that stuff. This stuff is important in your gospel community. Okay? And the last one I have on the list is confession. Okay? And in um, James 5.16 it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray to each other that you may be healed. When was the last time that you confessed your sins to your brother? Or to your sister. Do you do that? I know in our church we do that. I've seen that happen in our communities. I love that about our church. If you're not doing that, you should be doing that. To say, I have this struggle. I have this issue. I love doing this thing that's not good. And I have to confess to you that I, I sh and I want to repent before you as a group. And I want you to hold me accountable that I will not fall again. I need you to walk this journey with me. When you confess your sins to one another, you develop this culture that's very, very unique where you're trusting one another. We are actually walking this journey, holding hands together in your faith. So those are the disciplines, all right? Now, if you remember, I mentioned a story about how my teacher had this awkward pause with that, and there was a change of topic. And we see how the book of Hebrews, the author, does the same thing too. I think I'm going to do that with you guys because I think this whole list that we have over here, I can guarantee you that all of you are wondering, so I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm following these rules. If I do this a little bit more, I'll grow more maturely. And I'll say, I've got to figure it out. I got it down. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing it right. But that's not the point. That's not the point. You know, there's a story in the Bible in Mark 10 where a rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I, what do I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says a couple of commands to follow. He says, I got this down. I've been doing it since I was a kid. I know this stuff. And then Jesus changes the topic and talks about his heart. And he walks away. He didn't want that. The thing with this, with this journey of maturity is that Many of us have hopped on that bandwagon of doing these things without understanding what the starting point is. 
So you can be doing all these things right and saying, I'm doing everything right, but it, it's not working, dude. I'm not seeing the point here. The thing about maturity is that you don't stop growing. Okay, from when you were saved. So if you were saved, say, five years ago, right? Two years ago, maybe 20 years ago, and you haven't seen any change in your life, any growth in your life, and you're doing all these things faithfully, there's something really wrong with that image. That's not the way it's supposed to look like. This is the thing about these things with maturity, okay? You know how we sing songs in church, right? We sing songs every Sunday in church. And most of our songs that we sing are based out of the, 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 the Psalms, David. And we sing songs like, As the deer pants for the waters, my soul longs for you. Beautiful song we used to sing before. So what we do is we take a song that David wrote out of the experience that he already has with God that he made into a song. We take that song and we say, I'm going to sing the song over and over again, hoping to create that experience with God. Make sense? Backwards, right? And we put that same mentality with maturity. These things we spoke about right now should be an expression of what we are doing out of the outflowing of our hearts as we grow in Christ. But when I say that you got to do these things to be mature, and you say, okay, checklist, I got to get this done, I got to give this, give here more, I got to be in community more, and you make it into a checklist, it doesn't work that way. And if you follow this as a checklist, guess what will happen? You'll get burnt out. Okay? You'll switch churches because it's not working. The dudes who are working with you, serving, you don't get along with them. Maybe this gospel community is not working. The guys that are in the group are not the same, on the same level as you are. Maybe the church is not as cool as you think it's, it, it should have been. And you, you, you switch because you, you, are, you are doing everything without having a real relationship with God. Am I making sense? And if you have any questions about my sermon, you can email me personally. It's bren at revolution22. Okay, good, okay. Uh, but think about this. This is not a joke. The Bible says that in the last day, anyone will come in my name and say, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that in your name. He'll say, I never knew you. I never knew you. The, the only sign of life in a believer is growth. It's growth. Are you growing? Do you enjoy God's word? Do you enjoy community? Do you enjoy giving? Do you enjoy serving? If you're not, something's wrong. The starting point is not right. Okay? We so often just go, in, go to church, we play church. Okay? We do everything the way everyone else does. And we're hoping that I'll have what that dude has. He's so happy all the time. No matter what's going on, he's so joyful. I want to be like him, so I'm going to do more like what he's doing, and hopefully I'll, I'll get that. It doesn't work that way. There are people in our church who love giving, who love being here, who love serving, and wondering, how come he does that? How come she never quits? And I'm bored already. How come you, if you're wondering, how come people read the Word of God? I, I don't like reading God's Word. I don't enjoy that. Nothing speaks to me. You're just doing stuff. There's no relationship with God. You know, 
when you are malnourished and you don't, you're not eating the way you're supposed to eat, you eventually die. You cannot abide in Christ and not grow. You cannot. There's no way. So, I, I don't want to put any doubt in your mind about your salvation. That's not my, my intent. But I really want you to think about this. If you have those doubts that are in your heart, that are already there, and you've been in church all your life, I want you to pray this morning and ask God to transform your life. You know, a couple of years ago, I, I was in a motorcycle wreck. I had a brain injury. That's why I'm all crazy, okay? I think I'm normal. I don't know if I'm normal or not. But um, so when you get hit on the head, this is something new that I never knew before, that you, your brain synapses all get messed up, right? And you develop new connections in your brain, and then you develop new habits, new interests, new passions maybe. Imagine how much more for a new creation in Christ. How much more? You should look different. God will give you these passions to know him more, to read his word. It only comes in being saved. It only comes from him. You cannot concord that and fake it. So this, this morning I want to invite you to respond to Christ. Stop playing church. Stop it. It's not worth it because you'll get burnt out. It's not going to work. But when you have a relationship with Christ, it makes sense. You understand what joy really is. You understand what peace really is. You get it. When, when the Bible talks about, about rest, he gives you rest. You get that. You can have it. So this morning, if you are someone who have been in church all your life, but you, you, you kind of feel like, you're just doing works. Ask God to come into your life. If you are someone here who is not someone who's given your heart to Jesus, it's a beautiful journey. And I, and I invite you to join us in that journey. It doesn't start and end with a prayer. It begins with a prayer. You obey God in baptism, right? And then this journey goes on till you die of being saved, of being transformed, of being, of being rejuvenated in your walk towards Christ. So I want you to close your eyes with me, okay? And I want the band can please come forward. That'll be helpful to you. And I want you to think about this. Has all your, your journey as a believer been all about you doing stuff? Works, works, works. And you realize that something is not clicking. Have you seen a change in your life as a believer? Have you seen growth in your life? Or are you just adding more rules, more rules to make yourself look good? Are you being transformed? And if you're not, just say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior and my God. Be my master. I'm just tired of playing church. I want to enjoy being your child. I want to grow. I want to know you more. You might know theology, but you might not know Jesus. There's a huge difference in that. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him as a friend?
God, we thank you that you give us opportunities over and over again for us to turn to you. And this morning, God, we come before you asking for an authentic relationship with you. The world sees this as stupidity, as foolishness. Your word says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God, help us to know how amazing you are, that we will not stop talking about you because we love you. We've seen you. We've tasted you. We know that you are real. And I pray, God, this morning that you will reveal yourself to us in a profound way. For those of us who don't know you, who don't have experienced the joy of your salvation, I pray, God, that you will open their eyes. If they haven't seen any change, I pray that you will make them a new creation in you, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that you've, that you've given him to us, that we can follow and know you through him. In your precious name we pray.